Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast. Uh, we are embarking on a new adventure by uh, reviewing uh, the new season of um, Lower Decks. Um, well, because those episodes are so short, we're going to review some Lower Decks, as well as each of us has chosen a few of our favorite episodes to go over. Uh, so today we're going to start with uh, Season 3, Episode 1 of Lower Decks, which is called Grounded. And we are also going to discuss um, Season 1, Episode 5 of the original series, The Enemy Within, um, which, um, wow, so many things to say about yeah, that. What an episode, but, right, guys? <laughs> what an episode. <laughs> but first, with me, with me as always, is our wonderful, wonderful panel. We have Jane M., you can tell it's me because of the way I smack my lips. <laughs> wow, that would have. Wow, okay. All right then. Mm, mm, KJ coming in saucy. We've got Carrie Coleman Hinners. Uh, you could tell it's me by the way I uncomfortably laugh at things that are inappropriate. Okay, I did know that was you, <laughs> but from that reason. And we've got Michael Henley. Hello. <laughs> we can tell it's him by uh, him quitting on the bit when it comes to his <laughs> um so uh and i'm chris newcomer i'm happy to be here you're happy to be your host um so well why don't we start with my favorite my favorite thing it's been a while we've been on a little bit of a hiatus but we'll start with michael michael how you doing I'm doing great. Uh, we have been on a hiatus. Um, let's see. Boy, the summer is just kind of zipping by, isn't it? It's the end of summer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Man. Um, um, did some fun stuff. Uh, I forget if we were still recording actually a couple weeks ago when uh, I, we went to see um, Return of the Jedi uh, at the uh, at the Man Center, actually, with the Philly, uh, oh, with cool. the Philadelphia Orchestra, which was super fun. Um, that was the, the third of three Star Wars uh, things they did. Uh, um, that uh, originally was going to happen uh, 2020, but uh, as we know, no plans happened in 2020, really. So um, you know, <laughs> they finally they finally did it. So finally complete the set of what the original happens? trilogy. Seeing at the man. I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know what happened know. in 2020. It's weird stuff. I, I I just read about it, but like apparently, okay. like I don't know. Yeah, it's just uh, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, so um, something about somebody's father. Can't even, can't even remember. I, yeah, I can't make a. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that thing. It's okay. Um, I just smack my lips when I can't make a joke. You should try it too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel. Dissed. I feel dissed. Um, don't be dissed. Oh we, we don't. We we kid because we love Michael. I know. I know. It's true. It's okay. We, also, it's, we really want you to try harder. Is what we're trying to. No, we're not. If we, didn't, if we didn't like you, we just would just have silence. Um, why does this remind me of? This, this reminds me of a of a Star Trek meme of made up, made up dialogue where it was Blana Torres and Seven basically just saying that I wished Harry Kim to I I, I wished Harry Kim uh, that he hope 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 he's better. There's nothing wrong with him. I just hope he's be hope he gets better. <laughs> yeah. well, it's like it's like the, the Voyager roast of Harry Kim. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Such, I like that very such much. an easy target, but it's Harry, yeah. so who cares? It's fine. Um, but uh, yeah. So to answer your question, I'm good. I'm good and happy good. to be here. Good, good. Happy, to, happy to be back. Hey, Carrie, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm at the beach right now. I'm down the shore. Um, down the shore in a in a beach house, and uh, in an echoey room. Is it echoing in here? It's yeah, I'm echoing. I'm pretending that you're um, trapped in some um, you know uh, Romulan prison camp, and that's why it sounds all all <laughs> working. Uh, 
and I'm enjoying that. That uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. So I'm at the beach, and I want to talk about later the recommendations for shows. But I'm going to hit. I'm going. I want to um tease the recommendation <laughs> for the show that I'm going to do at the end of the show because okay. I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of uh, Korean. Uh, uh, series, uh, dramas, etc., on Netflix because there's so many. And the lot. more I watch them, the more the algorithm promotes to me. Mm. So <laughs> primarily just watching Korean. Are you watching Extraordinary Netflix. Attorney Woo? Is that that's the big yeah, one? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. But the one that I really like is Alchemy of Souls. Oh yeah, that looks. I, think I told good. you guys to watch that. <laughs> I think I told you guys to watch that because I couldn't stop. I I can't stop thinking about it. Oh, I, I love that. Can't. That's so cool. So, well, we'll circle back for a more fuller fuller yeah, details on the recommendations. That was just a teaser. That was a teaser tease. for the recommendations okay. at the end of the show. I love that. Jay, <laughs> Jay, how are you doing? Well, He's smacking his lips again. Yes, that's. Uh, <laughs> I hope it. I hope it comes through to the recording. Um, we'll get. We'll get a foley artist in there. We'll. We'll beef it up in post. <laughs> right. <laughs> you need to make that sound. Um, you can like take two pieces of like raw beef, maybe, and like, yeah, bring like I don't know, like somehow squeeze them. That'd be my like beginning sound. We'd that's what you there. think. That's what you think your lips are like. Raw beef. Two pieces raw of raw beef and raw squeeze beef together. Yeah. Jay, Jay's like. Apologies you to your like? girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, I don't ask my girlfriend for a kiss. I say, give these raw beef patties a mouth squeeze. You put a lot here. of thought into what it's like to kiss yourself. <laughs> well, join the club, right? Listen, <laughs> until, I, until I got to raw beef, I had to keep thinking. It took me days. <laughs> Listen, who amongst us hasn't had a quick make out in the mirror just to just to check in and make sure the engine was running right? Check yes. the oil. You know what I mean? Do yeah, I know exactly. how to do it? Do I know how to do it? Yeah, right. Exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And well, that's how, how am I? <laughs> that's how you're doing. I love it. That's how you're doing. Uh, and how are you doing, really? Chris? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm feeling sort of that that end of summer feeling is a little sad, but I've got a lot of fun stuff happening in September and October, and you know, uh, yeah, things are things are good. Things are good. It's been a lo- lovely couple of weeks, um, and uh, I'm excited to 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 uh, talk about Trek with you guys some more. And uh, yeah, that's great. So why don't we get into the first episode we're going to talk about, which is, of course, Lower Deck Season 3, Episode yes. 1, keep on, Grounded. Keep on trekking. Let's keep on trekking. keep on trekking. So I'm just going to do a quick read-through, because this is just a 20-minute yeah. episode, 30 minute episode. I'll read through the whole thing. We can discuss it. I know. There'll be lots of finer points we want to get in. <laughs> uh, but we can, we can, I think we'll be able to, to come to them. So... The fallout continues from Captain Freeman's arrest at the end of season two, and Mariner is uh, not handling her impending trial well, taking it out on all the screens and breakable objects at her Admiral Dad's home. Um, Somehow there's now video proof that her mother, Carol Freeman, did the deed to the Packwood planet, with the Cerritos now impounded and the crew grounded, title of episode. Um, Mariner ignores her father's faith in the system, deciding she is the one to exonerate her mother. We all know that's a big surprise. Um, with her father being no help, Mariner seeks out Boimler, 
who is miserable and oblivious at his family vineyard, uh, which turns out to be a raisin vineyard, because of course it is. And Brad is feeling as shriveled and hopeless and stuck on earth as those raisins and jumps at the chance to save the captain. Um, that's a wonderful scene. <laughs> Suggesting they use his uh, personal copies of the senior officer logs. If only they knew an engineer who could tell them where the Cerritos is. Of course, then they track down Rutherford. He's with Tendi and they're doing some earth sightseeing at a familiar New Orleans restaurant, which I believe is um, Captain Cisco's father's restaurant, if I'm yeah. not wrong. Yes, you are not yes, wrong. Cisco's. And the team hatches a cunning plan to get the ship uh, which requires them to sneak into a secure Starfleet facility and deal with a psycho badass in charge of the encrypted transporter. The good news is the badass is just a sweet old buffer buff uh, who would love to help, but can only offer buffer butterscotch buff. candies and soup uh, as, uh, as some migrated space blobs are dis disrupting the transporters. Yeah. Uh, so they need to get a ship to get there. Uh, but then Tendi mentions one of her stops they missed on their tour of Earth, which is Bozeman, Montana, the site of first contact, <laughs> which has been turned into a theme park. This reminded me very much of Monkey Island 2, which took a lot of the themes among anyway, oh. no, the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> sorry. Um this is a Chris game, New but it yeah, no, Chris Newcomer, undercover gamer. Oh, I, yeah. I, was, I if it's a LucasArts point and click adventure of the 90s, I have played it, beaten it probably a thousand times. So I, I love them all. They were the I'm best. I'm a big fan. Love they were it. the best. Gamer Street Cred just went through the roof. Well, yeah. look, don't get me started on Full Throttle and Grim Fandango. I love those oh! games. Too. Grim, Grim Fandango <laughs> remains one of the best games I've ever played. I agree. It's so good. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, my, but we're not my... here to talk about LucasArts <laughs> and Star Wars. Yeah. I thought I had it covered with my with my Pokemon fan-made ROM hacks, but I'm feeling insecure. <laughs> well, the thing is, my, my knowledge drops off steeply uh, at a certain point when those those games sort of stopped being as fun. Like, I don't know. Can, I, I think someone I, tried to get me to play. Go can ahead, I try to chime in and just say Guy Bush Threepwood? Guy Brush Threepwood, yes. Guy Brush <laughs> I'm Guybrush, my three-point mighty pirate, prepare to die. <laughs> Guys, we could do a whole episode on um, sword, uh, insult sword fighting, which is my favorite kind. Um, uh, you fight like a, uh, you fight like a dairy farmer. How appropriate! You fight like a cow. I know them all, but let's not let's not deep dive on that. Let's get back to <laughs> the um, oh my God. summary at hand. <clears throat> So they get to they get to um, the first contact theme park where you've got you know uh, the kitty slide which is the Vulcan ship, um, which Tendi says it would just be logical to do that. Of course, um, <laughs> they get some matching hats and some churros. Um, the gang boards a replica of the original Phoenix and gets ready to take it to the Cerritos, but due to extra seats, a nervous random guy named Gavin is a come oh, for yeah. the ride, <laughs> which is piloted by holograms from Cochrane. Who likes to rock and roll just like the original um oh, so good in the yeah. original though so i forget i forget what song they they play i mean i remember the song but i don't remember the name of the song they used in this episode but in the original Didn't they used highway to hell yeah no it's they, uh it's a magic carpet ride oh magic, magic carpet, carpet ride That's but in the original i'm pretty sure it's uh in first contact i'm pretty sure it's ooby doobie uh no That's they play at the bar that's what they play at the bar. It's still Magic Carpet Ride in First Contact. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Never mind. They only play the one song at the bar. <laughs> the Jukebox has the one song. song. Yeah, it's World War Three. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we don't have time to argue about time. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so yes, yeah, so we've got uh, Hologram Cochrane. 
a Rutherford reprograms the ship to take them right to the dry dock, leaving a newly confident Gavin Iskaban to begin a new adventure trekking across the stars. <laughs> he does get rescued in the end, don't worry. They find Boimler's super detailed logs for the mission, uh, which is nowhere near the Packwood planet and should clear Carol. However, Brad just had to Boimler all over the logs with a series of embarrassing asides, including issues with excess gas, dropping his tricorder in the toilet again, and his habit of sniffing the captain's chair. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Can we pause for a second? Yeah. I feel like, if anything, that's proof of authenticity. Like, if you're Agreed. willing to go in front of a court with with these, because in the next, the, I think the next part of the summary probably mentions how Mariner is, like, upset that the logs are unprofessional. Yes, correct. Um, but it seems, <laughs> if anything, like, no, this is what a real log would be like. It would have, like, gas and, like, oh, I sniffed the captain's chair. And yeah, I feel like I wouldn't trust yeah. the log if it was so, like, scrubbed clean. And it was I for personal use. I agree. I agree. No, that makes sense. But I think in Mariner's view, it's just so deeply nerdy that she couldn't possibly, even though it would exonerate her mother, she couldn't possibly let her name be attached to this and that her friend will come up with yeah. it. So that's why I see her being like, you know, right. in, in that way. Um, Beckett loses it saying that his blooper reel can't be played in court, but the team convinces her it's worth trying, or so they thought. She tricked them into a shuttle program to return to Earth leaving her to go full Kirk in Star Trek Three and steal the ship. Her new crazy plan is to find the Klingons that made the pack with planet bomb, but her friends uh, return before she can end up on the short end of a bat lift. Uh, after some fighting and bonding, a bit of an emotional breakthrough for Beckett, admitting Does to a just how much- Does have a short end? I guess they both ends are pretty sharp. Yeah, it's kind uh, of yeah. symmetrical. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's just the, the all ends of a bat lift. Uh, any, end of a bat lift any end of a bat end. <laughs> <clears throat> After some fighting and bonding and a bit of emotional breakthrough, Beckett uh, admits to just how much she needs their, her mom and agrees to return to plan A with Boimler's embarrassing logs. Um, and then Starfleet security ships show up. Come on, they, they were having such a nice moment and it get, gets ruined by that. Um, things look grim. Uh, Mariner prepares to take the tall fall for her friends, but now Tendi uh, jumps forward um, and says uh, that they are now uh, trying to watch the Verugament mass reproductive event, which is all those. Yeah. Um, so many things happen so in this 20 minute episode. Space orgy going yeah. on oh in space. <clears throat> um, and her enthusiasm for science inspires the security guys. So this bluff is totally working until they ask for the name of the commander who authorized uh, their mission and dramatic pause. Enter Captain Freeman along with Admiral Husband. I guess he doesn't have a name. And the whole bridge crew gang. Oh, and wait, is Carol it Alonzo? I think it is Alonzo. Alonzo yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yes. This person didn't, didn't seem to track that, though, that I'm reading from. <laughs> Carol confirms that it was she who issued the order, saving her daughter's butt one more time. Uh, Freeman explains how she got out of the legal jam with an epic montage of major, full of major name-dropping, uh, detailing how an elite covert Starfleet squad got to the truth of the bombing of Packwood Planet. Turns out it was the Packwoods themselves, because of course it was uh, in a classic Packwood Samaritan snare. Uh, the smart guys framed Freeman so they can get the Federation to give them a nicer planet. <laughs> Who would have oh, thought Starfleet yeah. would come through? Yeah. So now uh, time for Freeman to deal with her well-meaning but way too troublesome ship-stealing daughter. And since the Cerritos was already Mariner's last chance to stay in Starfleet, uh, the captain and admiral admit they can't be the ones to discipline her anymore with real consequences. So they bring in a ringer, which is Commander Jack Ransom, who is all too happy to handle Beckett's double secret probation. And if she screws up one more time, she'll be wearing cool civvies all the time. And welcome to uh, season three of Lower Decks. There you go. That's the episode. Go. 
Yay. Is this the last we've Yay. seen of Gavin? <laughs> well, uh, I certainly well, hope they did not. save him in the end. So I mean he's they back did. on Earth. But, but yeah. he's like insane yeah. and raving, and he very, very um forwardly says, This won't be the last you see of Captain Gavin. Mm. Um, Knowing, knowing lower decks, it'll show up like really randomly after we've forgotten about him. You know, he's got to be the recurring yeah. villain. He'll be. I hope so. He'll show up like as like an admiral, like officially in uniform, basically just randomly <laughs> towards the end of the season, just leaving us all just like, oh my god, how did this happen? Like, who was that guy? What way. episode was that? What happened? He'll just have ascended the ranks really quickly. I like that's that. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got initiative. I thought yeah. this was a great first episode of of a, of a season for Lower Decks. It was a great Lower Decks episode because Lower Decks is all is not about the main story. Lower Decks is about what's going on with people in the Lower Decks. So the, by the end of the show, you find out that the captain was leading this like really main A plot, lawyer driven, dramatic. <laughs> you know yeah. great classic <laughs> star trek episode that was complete just with cameos in the background yeah, yeah. M- morgan bateson isn't he the guy who's stuck in the time loop in <clears throat> that's every, right yeah, in, uh, yeah. next generation mm-hmm. and, kelsey grammer uh, yeah freaking um freaking tuvok. Uh, tuvok was there freaking yeah. tuvok freaking freaking <laughs> and yeah that so that was really fun ending of that show like oh Oh, that seems great. Like that's fine. So it all worked out then. <laughs> like we just started doing our own thing back here. Okay, cool. <laughs> so no, I I really enjoyed it as well. And I thought they they gave us so many fun fan service in a good way, you know, um things mm-hmm. we wanted to see. I think I think we're all probably love seeing first contact theme park was incredible. Um oh, great amazing. idea. What a so great idea. idea. So yeah, and also so cool. like yeah. sort of realistic. If that was a real thing that happened, I believe oh, yeah. that there would mm-hmm, just be mm-hmm. a, a Vulcan ship turned into a slide. Well, if capitalism was still around, it definitely yeah. would be a thing. I don't know yeah. about in a moneyless <laughs> utopia. I, I was just thinking all that was missing was like seeing a Ferengi like working like a control booth <laughs> yeah. or whatnot. It's like, oh, of course. Well, the the reenacting of the 1990s or, or, or the, the 21st century or whatever year it was, was really great. It's like, yeah, we still reenact the 1800s. We reenact the 1800s now. So why wouldn't we yeah. in the future reenact the 2100s? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. <not> true. <laughs> and the, the, they also added the classic right after World War III joke in there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 21st Gosh. century. Just oh, really yeah. wait for World War III to happen. I just, I really enjoyed how like they got the. <laughs> Like all the jokes are pitch perfect because I love the like my favorite one was like when they're standing in line and like he does the and there's um there's just just like when you go to Disneyland or whatever there's like a little video like as you're standing in line you know like where mm-hmm. um yeah. you know like they they continue to talk to you and like yeah. he does it like oh hey I didn't and, see you there you know like I'm and they actually like, and they actually got James Cromwell the yes which is oh, so God. yes funny. I love him yes. Wow. Do they, do they have to bring the recording studio to the Starbucks where he glued his hand to the thing? Oh, that's right, because he's a yes, climate activist. Right. I forgot. We talked about that. We talked yeah. about that. <laughs> I guess this was post-Starbucks incident. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, and I think I think uh, getting getting a guest star to come do an animated gig where they don't have to do too much work except speak in a booth and even if they might have their own home, yeah, theater, it makes it very Get paid. Easy. It's so easy. <clears throat> yeah. Why not? It's like, oh, I'll do. T- I'll sit down for ten thousand dollars for fifteen minutes of work. Sure. Uh, yeah, and you know. get a chance to reprise this fun thing you did that one time that you're still getting a lot of attention for. Yeah. You're gonna keep milking it. Why not? Milking it. Ah. Uh, hey, uh, no, I wish they put in some babe, some babe yeah. uh, stuff in there as well. Would have been cool, just to really cross, yeah, you know, cross little... pollinate his oh, main yeah. fan bases. The, the James Cromwell cinematic universe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Cromwell just seems like such a cool dude, honestly. And listeners, please, no one chime in. Just be like, actually, I've met him. He's a bastard. Please don't do that. Please. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Let need me that. keep my illusions. We don't need that. Um, yeah. But I like. I love that. Like. Um, First Contact came out after Babe came out, and he was nominated for an Oscar for Babe for Best Supporting Actor. So I remember, I I, I remember really? like interviews, oh, wow. yeah, and I remember interviews where they said just like, oh my god, we wrote this for Cromwell because he had done like several Next Gens and whatnot, and they were like, yeah. and we're not going to get him, and they got him. He was just like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll do that. Which most actors yeah. would be like, well, I'm you know, I'm 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 a respected character actor now. I'm not going to do your Star Trek yeah. movie. Yeah, like, maybe whatever. it was because like, it was. For like a talking pig movie so he didn't take it as seriously <laughs> yeah he, he didn't like win for king lear yeah uh, it wasn't a shakespeare <laughs> role it was like yeah. oh all the things i've done and the talking pig movie gets me the oscar great <laughs> right. that's the way it works for these days um the other thing i was realizing was, watching yeah. oh go ahead go ahead carrie you go you realize you realize the way what were you real gonna realize? Chris? Well, I realize this is less so about the episode Chris and more newcomer. about and more about Tony Newsom, she... who is who plays oh, Beckett yeah. Mariner. But I realized that she has once thrown a shoe at me for singing really well. Wait, what? She has. Uh, wait, she what? Yes, because she because when when remember when um they had that comedy festival at Fit back in the day, 2018, 2019, yeah. they brought Paul F. Tompkins in and his crew. And, I think she was with and him. And she was oh. part of it. And she yeah. she was so mad that you and, you, and, and Eugene Cordero and too. Paul F. Tompkins, all three people who were yeah. on. Yeah, oh, they were all there. Okay, cool. They were all I there, yeah. Like but fun. they came to this after hours thing where there was like a, we'd done like an after hours piano bar and I sang and she threw a shoe at me. So, hey, oh. <laughs> well, wow. that's, wow. you're so talented that wow. people hate you. <laughs> well, no, throwing a shoe is a sign of respect when you're singing. It is a, oh, sure. it's a actual compliment. Yeah. Wow. Sure. It is. Well, real. yeah. I mean, at least when it's happened to me, it's been that. <laughs> was, it, was, was it her shoe or was it someone else's shoe? I believe it was her shoe. Okay. See, yeah, that is a sign of respect. If it's someone uh, else's shoe, then it's basically just like, I don't respect you enough to actually take off right. my own shoe to do this. So, Didn't somebody throw a shoe once at like George Bush? You guys remember the Bush well, administration? That's, that's right. <laughs> it's it's a different that. The Bush. I wasn't born yet. Sorry. You guys remember? You guys remember? They didn't I remember his version of, uh, of, um, of, of Madonna's Vogue. They were like, this is not selling it for me. <laughs> no, so this is not great. We don't like shoe. this here. You get yeah. the shoe. He threw two shoes, and the first one was really accurate. Bush just dodged really well. I don't. I, you can't give much to the man, but you can give him. He had a good, good dodge that one time. Yeah, good yeah. dodge. dodge. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ooh, that's funny. Oh man, as as often as I can reference the Bush administration, the Bush administration. I know. Yeah, yeah, we want to reflect on that as you much know? as we can. Uh, yeah. Remember when a sizable chunk of the electorate thought uh, whether or not you'd want to have a drink with a guy would determine whether or not he was a good president? Remember that? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I yeah, agree with it, though. Like, yeah. he seems like a fun guy to have a drink with. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that statement. But, but like that level, okay, somebody like that, the, the maximum amount of authority they should get is like being in charge of the grill at a cookout. Like, Correct. I know, no right? No higher. They like, should be working the burgers. Yeah, uh, like, I, agree. I, would, I would love it working the burgers at a, at a grill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe not our uh, national, international security leading the army kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, oh, he does can... paint paintings of the people who died in... It's his service, so there's that, huh? Um, mix up. Uh, it's it. a lot. It's a lot of paintings. It's a lot of paintings. Yeah. Um, so wait, wait. We're talking talk about Star Lower Trek. Decks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. The yeah. other thing about the other thing about Lower Decks that Lower Decks does it's basically all a show of references and Easter eggs. So did you guys <laughs> yeah. catch all of the references and Easter eggs? I tried to list them out. So let's see if we could figure them all out together. Yeah, go for it. So, I, so yeah, I, let's go yeah, scene by scene. Well, I mean. I can go list in this list of yeah, orders. Your, right? your list is good. Your, your list, list is good. Because yeah. um, we still have another episode to talk about after this as well. Yeah. So just don't talk about So we have obviously the Boimler's Vineyard one that was actually grapes. That was a great yeah. reference to mm -hmm. Picard's Vineyard. Mm -hmm. um, and all the hot ladies who, I don't know, all the hot ladies who just like, but, oh, but Bradward, can you please come with yeah. me to the shed That's to look at the <laughs> That was really funny. Was I really so liked that good. a lot. It's like, and I felt like that was an Easter egg back to the original series after having watched this last episode you made us watch. Oh, uh, because yeah. the way they treated the female characters seemed to be yeah. uh, a wee bit one-dimensional. Well, just the one female character, because there's only one hired for right. that show, apparently. Well, we heard uh, over his voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did her okay so then um rutherford was wearing this sweater that was the exact an exact replica of uh, jake's sweater if you go to oh watch it's big nine and like jake's classic like purple and like yeah sweater happening yeah, wow. like that was the I sweater that rutherford was wearing i love that too um that's so and cool you saw uh cisco's creole kitchen we caught that one that one was obvious mm -hmm. But yeah. then in the kitchen, they were they were doing um, uh, Ketracel white hot sauce. <laughs> that <was> so good. <laughs> I love and, it. And uh, Ketracel white, that's what the, um, in um, Deep Space name Nine. of Alien. Um, Jem Hadar. Alien. Mm -hmm. Jem Hadar were uh, addicted to. That's how they were controlled. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Correct. And then obviously Bozeman, Montana and all that. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you go back, and I didn't get a chance to go back, but when the news, um, the scene with the news, they have the uh, the Chiron going across with all the other news that's happening in the galaxy. And if you read that, there's like really fun little Easter eggs in there. Like one of them said, uh, some a six-year-old uh, is about to be the strategium grandmaster. Oh. <laughs> strategium. Uh, from the next generation yeah and um there was another episode of the next generation referenced they like unfroze some people from the 90s and one of them was a country music star so this country music star is still around doing concerts and whatever so he was he was in, in that too so yeah that's another thing that lower decks does really well it's just like hide those little mm -hmm. things in the show I yeah I love it so much. And it's so this good. This is not a reference, but those space orgy aliens kind of reminded me. I'm like, I feel like I've seen this in so many Star Trek episodes where like an alien just like globs onto the ship and tries yeah. to make the ship mm -hmm. or they mm -hmm. think the ship or they're using the ship somehow. And it's like, right. 
some type of sex orgy alien always comes about on Star Trek somehow. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. Well, it did happen to the Enterprise. There was like a a. Uh... Well, it was an oh, alien yeah. baby that was leeching uh, energy, right. and it was like ship sized, yeah. and so they got it to its mom, yeah. and then they changed the frequency of the hull resonance. Mm-hmm. to sour the milk as Jordan. Well, how do I yes, remember this? Right. Right? Yes. That's quite specific detail that you remember. But that's good great. No, good episode. They've been yeah. on several episodes and I remember probably on Voyager too. Anyway, just sex orgy alien and Star Trek. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Combine the two a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Any, other, any other big things people love from, from this episode that we haven't touched on? Yeah. Oh, just the scene with the grandpa transporter chief where they want to I love that out. so much. <laughs> Too nice. Usually you don't want to knock me out, do you? <laughs> and so yeah. like, and, and goes, she's like my grandpa. And Boimler goes, she's like everyone's grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I do I like that the show was by, so, um, Yeah. Well, who is it? Bobby Moynihan. I think it was Bobby Moynihan, maybe. Oh, was it? Uh, it oh, sounds well, like him well, at one point. Okay. Look it up. That seems, it like up. It, seems like it would be correct. I, I kind of like that the show is so ridiculous, but they do throw in some little tidbits of interesting relationships between people. Like the characters have different relationships with each other that are interesting to watch. And they only have, and it's like you said, like a short show. So they don't have that much time to do it in, but it's kind of interesting to see the captain and the lower decks ensign and how they uh, interact or whatever. And I can confirm uh, uh, Chief Carlton, Denny Dennis, and Captain Gavin were both voiced by Bobby Moynihan. Wow, so cool. Go Bobby. Yeah. Good for him, Go Bobby. Bobby. It's your birthday. He, mm-hmm. he, I think he uh, coached me in, in improv before. And, what? Oh, that's cool. Uh, Was he? NYC, NYC. NYC. Ooh, Just got here nice. this morning. NYC, yeah. So I've met that's him. That's from New Annie. York, New York. <laughs> <laughs> New York, New York, a hell of a town. <laughs> the Bronx is up, but the battery's down. I like this. I like this just like lazy, <laughs> but like fun, like like relaxed version. It's nice. Yeah. Well, I feel like you get there and you hear the song, and then you start to like lose consciousness from the fumes and yeah. the rats, and it starts to slow into this like well, you know, there's there's multiple blur. songs with that phrase in there. So you've got the new New York, New York, which is from On the Town by Compton and Green. referencing, yeah. Uh-huh. And then you've got, um, <laughs> start spreading the news, I'm leaving today. That's the one by Kander and Ev. They wrote for yeah. um, Liza okay. and Al Pacino for, um, for a movie called New York, New York. Um, and they wrote that song in 45 minutes. And they're, oh, making, a new mu- oh. they're ma- making a new musical uh, based on that song and the music from that show uh, uh, coming out soon. So it's very exciting. City so nice they named it twice. That's right. <laughs> and Fred Ebb has been dead since 2002, so it'll be a second posthumous musical. <laughs> oh man, is Candor still alive? Candor's alive. Candor's in his 90s. Yeah, good for him, man. And he's a real peach. He's a lo- he's a lovely person. He's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking about uh, people that were alive in the 1960s, let's. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna hand the let me let me hand the keys over to Carrie Coleman Hinners <laughs> yeah. to, to to describe and discuss uh, the enemy within. <clears throat> yeah, things that were so... alive in the '60s, like feminism, right? <laughs> yeah. Listen, guys, I'm, as the as the primary female voice on this panel, 
I feel like this is a great episode and I recognize the um, the problems with misogyny and uh, uh-huh. assault in it. And I see it, I recognize it, and I still enjoy, I believe, the depiction. Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, Anyway, so The Enemy Within uh, was an original series episode, season one, episode five, really early on in the series, the fifth episode. Um, It was written by a Richard Matheson, and I just thought it would be interesting to point out who wrote and directed this episode, because Richard Matheson also wrote... um, uh, uh, um, I Am Legend, a novel, which many, oh, many yeah. movies and shows mm-hmm. were adapted based on I Am Legend and, and Hell House. Uh, he was from, he he died in 2013, but he has a very prolific uh, horror, uh, science fiction, fantasy writer. This is the only, this is the only Star Trek episode he ever did. And it was directed by Leo Penn, who is the father of Sean Penn, and Sean Penn's various uh, brothers. Oh my <laughs> God! Wow, that's wow, crazy. Yeah. So I just thought that was like uh, interesting to note that that's the connection there. Um, so I'm gonna get. I've decided to choose to read this plot synopsis from Wikipedia because it was the least um, judgy of plot synopsises <laughs> that I could find. <laughs> people, it's like just the most factual, like this happened and this happened. Sometimes you're trying to get like recaps from people online of Star Trek that they always inject, you know, interject their um, opinions or something, yeah, which is fine. I like to nerds. read. Yeah. I like to read their opinions, but when I'm just trying to get like a break it down for me, what happened? Tell me what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where we got. So the plot, the USS Enterprise is on a geological exploration of the planet Alpha 177. Geological technician Fisher is injured after a fall and transported aboard the Enterprise. Though Chief Engineer Scott has some trouble with the transporter. The transporter equipment appears to be fine, but he notices some magnetic dust from ore samples covering Fisher's uniform that may have interfered with the transport. So right away, we got a transport malfunction episode, Mm -hmm. one of the great archetypes of Star Trek. So this is the beginning of the, the, the transport malfunctions in Star Trek. So now we got Captain Kirk. He transports back to the ship. The transporter appears to work correctly, but Kirk experiences disorientation, and Scott escorts Kirk out of the transporter room. While unsupervised, the transporter activates a second time, materializing a second version of Kirk, which behaves more maliciously than his counterpart. This evil Kirk begins to wander the ship, and those he encounters are confused by his behavior. Uh, but we all know because the audience knows that's an evil version of the other one. Okay, we're not quite sure why. Let's continue. And then Scott assists in beaming a dog like animal specimen. <laughs> Another favorite part of this episode is they have a dog like specimen. So good. It's a dog wearing like a little unicorn, a furry costume, which is exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, but the Two identical creatures materialize, a good one, a good version of the dog, and an evil version of the dog. One completely docile and one very vicious. So Scott surmises that the ore dust has caused the transporter to split the personalities of those they beamed up, creating good and evil counterpots. 
counterparts, counterparts, counterparts. Scott reports this to Mr. Spock and then orders the transporter taken out of service to investigate, stranding the landing party on the planet as the bitterly cold night sets in. Um, so we have now we have set up the main story, but the side story of the men stranded on the planet because it will be below zero there at night. They're very concerned about these guys. Elsewhere on the ship, the good Kirk begins to feel uncertain and struggles to make decisions. The evil Kirk, in a drunken state, sexually assaults Yeoman Janice Rand oh, in her quarters. That's why I decided to read the Wikipedia description of it, because <laughs> I'm like, it's just saying what it is. Yeah, it's just, yeah, laying evil, it out. Yeah. <clears throat> evil Kirk, in a drunken state, uh, sexually assaults Yeoman Janice Rand in her quarters, and Yeoman in the Navy is basically a secretary. So Yeoman Janice Rand is the secretary to James Kirk on the ship. That's her role on the ship. Um, she scratches his face with her fingernails. When Fisher witnesses this and calls security, the evil Kirk attacks and knock him out. Rand reports the incident to the bridge. The good Kirk orders the crew to capture the evil Kirk, but good Kirk is like so kind of losing his decision-making skills that Spock is like, we have to keep your evil half a secret so as not to weaken the crew's faith in you. <laughs> so um, <laughs> right away, this guy sexually assaults Janice Rand. We realize something's wrong. They're both like, let him just run around the ship. It's <laughs> fine. Let's not tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, let's cover it up. But he's got scratches on his cheek, so we can easily tell the difference. And also, very kindly, they both wear the two different classic Kirk shirts. <laughs> um, so the evil Kirk hears this announcement and puts on some makeup to cover up his scratches. Brilliant. Um, he secures a phaser from the security officer before going into hiding and engineering. So the good Kirk anticipates this move because they're the same after all. Um, while the two Kirks scuffle, Spock gets in with a Vulcan nerve pinch. And Spock and McCoy recognize that both Kirks are mentally deteriorating and they must find a way to reverse the transporter accident to save them. Um, this is a lot of details. It's almost over. It's not that long, I promise you. There's very long sentences. You're okay. Good. Um, Welcome to my world, Carrie. <laughs> Spock and McCoy recognize that both Kirks are mentally deteriorating and they must find a way to reverse the transporter accident to save them, as well as the landing party. We'll talk about that later. Spock and Scott use power from the ship's impulse drive to reverse the transporter on the dog-like specimen. Spock, when it materializes, the creature is whole, but dead. Dead as a dog. <laughs> Uh, Spock suggests that it died because its animal brain couldn't handle the stress. It was just a simple creature, didn't know what was going on, so it died. Just, just a little idiot, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just a little <laughs> dumb dog. It did, just was like, why am I dematerializing and rematerializing again? Um, so, uh, but because of that, Kirk will be fine because he's smarter than a dog. So he'll remember not to die. The dog forgot. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and Dr. Leonard McCoy insists that they can't take the risk that the death was caused by the malfunction. 
Okay, but meanwhile, back on the planet, the landing party nearly dead from hypothermia, the good Kirk gambles on the procedure rather than wait for an autopsy on the creature. When he releases the evil Kirk, his other self overpowers him and gives him facial scratches in the exact same way on his face, just like his own. So he pretends to be good and he goes to the bridge and um, he and then he but he encounters Janice Rands again and he's pretends to be the good Kirk. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize for the misunderstanding. Um, I'll meet you in your quarters later and we can talk about it. Um, so he makes a date with her. He orders the crew to leave orbit, telling the navigator that the landing party cannot be saved. Leave those guys on the planet. Let's get out of there. The good Kirk and McCoy race to the bridge and the two Kirks face off. It's a face off at the moment. Um, the good Kirk, the good Kirk, quote unquote, uh, at last persuades the evil Kirk, quote unquote, that they need each other to survive and will both live on parts as parts of each other. He orders Scott to attempt the reversal process and Kirk is rejoined as one being with his sense of command and goodwill restored and the transporter repaired, Kirk orders the landing party beamed up. They are safe despite the cold. Rand, they're safe. Guys, it's just a little, just a little frostbite. They're gonna be fine. Uh, Rand tells Kirk about her last encounter with the evil Kirk, but he cuts her off before she can discuss the issue of his romantic overtures. And we end with the misogynistic remark from Skabak that is not in the Wikipedia description. I just felt I should have. Like, kind of interesting, right? Lady, don't you think it was interesting? Weird. Yeah. So that was a big that was a big long explanation. So if anybody's listening to our podcast, uh, you can watch that show. Uh, or you could just re-listen to my description of the show a couple times. Honestly, same. It's the same experience. So I think you yeah. should, you, if you got <laughs> your short for time, listen to Carrie's wonderful description. Um, I, I wrote down a few things about that episode. I did. Um, I found it very interesting. You know, I'm not really a TOS kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, uh, my brain just. I did enjoy it. Apart from. The, you know, watching it with the lens of 2022 does make it a little uncomfy in um, mm-hmm. just, you know, 75% yeah. of the episode. But, um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I did, I did like to point out, number one, we've got pre-Girdle Kirk, which I like. He was able to take his shirt off. Pre-Girdle. Pre-Girdle Kirk. And I think, I think that, that, that era was shorter than we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> First, first wow. year, the money started rolling in, and suddenly there was yeah. a girdle. They give them lunch, you know. They get they they cart in lunch every day, and they're yeah, working. they're getting they're getting that craft services. Yeah. Um, also, the appearance of Evil Kirk being his back to the screen and turning around and just making the most evil face he can think of to yeah. make was very silly and fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, I'll say those are my, my first thoughts were, were pre-girl Kirk and the evil Kirk being very, very um, uh, over the top in a fun way, except for the uh, uh, sexual assault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard this is, this is William Shatner's favorite episode because it has his favorite guest star in it. The dog. Himself. <laughs> himself. 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 Oh, all right. <laughs> wow. That's where I was going. That's where I was going. <laughs> 
the problem um, is there are too many jokes that end that and end that premise, I know, you know i know yeah. Yeah. i i really like this episode a lot and one of the things i i you know so first of all carrie i'm so glad you've mentioned richard matheson who is like uh, you know, one thing that makes the original show very unique, and and you know, Chris, I completely understand um, your relationship to it because it's got ups and it's got downs. Let me tell you. Um, but one thing that makes the original show unique is the fact that you know, writing for TV was not necessarily a career, you know, at the time. So what you have in the original show, just like with the original Twilight Zone is that you have a lot of like novelists and things like that kind of coming in basically like writing an episode and then kind of going back to their lives and all that kind of stuff. And so you have people who aren't overly familiar with the format, I guess, or, mm -hmm. you know, they're not career television writers, you know, which I think next gen onward, that's basically what you get. And I'm, I'm not saying all that's bad. I'm just saying that, you know, the effect is different. Um, and I really like this because like, there's kind of a purity to this in the way it's just like straight up. It's just like, we're not gonna hide this. We're not gonna, you know, make this something it's not. We are doing a morality tale right. here, like period, you know, uh, A to Z. Um, and it's very, you know, uh, you know, the inspiration definitely Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But I think one of the cool innovations that this brings to it is the idea that in Jekyll and Hyde in the original book, it's basically, well, you have yourself and then there's an evil version of you basically. And, and the, the theme is we're always at war with our evil selves. And I think this episode riffing on that really crystallizes this idea of like, no, you're an incomplete person without your evil side. That's the problem, you know, like that is yeah. the constant struggle. It's, it's, it's easy to just be like, well, I'm just going to purge my evil side, you know, like I'm going to, you know, sublimate my evil side and all that kind of stuff. It's like, that's no good because not only does it, you know, just repression never really work out, but it robs you of some qualities that actually you should have, you know, like, you know, like your ability to take sudden action and make quick decisions and, and, and things like that. And you like, like, you like someone who is all compassion is kind of worthless as a commander, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. and I like, I, I like that kind of the way it kind of depicts that kind of that, 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 that tug of war, that kind of dynamic, basically, you know, it's, it's kind of just like, uh, sometimes the evil side of you basically can help you. I, I don't mean that literally, but like in the sense of just yeah. like, he's got traits that, you know, are helpful, yeah. you know, at times. It's yeah. definitely a very stark, extreme versions of evil and good. But yes. I, I think within everybody, we're not necessarily that evil or that good, but we're still struggling with the like uh, the bad and the good or the the bad experiences that I've had and the good experiences that I've had and how you need to have them both. So yes. um, yeah, so it's relatable, even though it's in the even though they're showing it in the extreme, it's relatable in the like everyday minutiae of stuff well and they did they did an episode of voyager with belana torres like this where they separated out her klingon side from her human side and it was a very similar struggle of the yeah. klingon side was all aggression and and the human side was too terrified to do anything but together they could they make a whole person you know oh and they so did I, another jekyll and hyde episode of voyager too with the doctor he that's the right doctor yeah. had, like it was a very jekyll anyway yeah yeah <laughs> I, so I, love, another time. I love the premise when it got to the execution i was sort of watching it and i was like man this does a disservice to nice people like 
Mm. <laughs> like it's not that his that his good side was like good. It was just like on drugs. Like it was just yeah, he's like tired. Yeah. It was super high. Yeah. And I was like, come on. Yeah. And his and his evil side too wasn't really evil, but rather just like crazy. Because I feel a like monster. evil like a monster. Like evil, yeah. Yeah, like I, I never at any point really knew sure. what the evil side wanted, other than that one scene where he goes to Yemen Yeoman Rand's quarters. But like, why was the evil side just leaving the planet? Like, what what did it plan to do? What did it want? And moreover, what did the good side want? Like, good people, yeah. at least. Well, I, this isn't a definitive take, but when I tried, I was I was thinking of what do I think of as a good person, and what yeah. flaws could a good person have? And I thought, well, an easy flaw is like, good people want to help others, often to the point of ignoring them their own needs or yeah. pushing themselves yeah. too far. But instead yeah. here, he just doesn't seem to really care that he has people on the planet who he's leaving behind, who who are freezing to death. He's just sort of like, it's just spacing yeah. out into, into nothing. I think you're definitely right. I and think that, you're definitely yeah. right there. The transporter sort of is like, um, it also brings in the question how the transporter works for me. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, episode five was so clear to me that they had not even figured out which button did what. They yeah. were like, well, it wasn't like he was on the planet and came up. It was like it was a transporter. You dematerialized and you rematerialized into two versions of yourself mm -hmm. instead of the mm -hmm. one version of yourself. So, um, but then again, I saw a lot of uh, critical uh, reviews of this episode. Like, why couldn't they send down blankets? Like blankets, <laughs> or like, uh, like, and they don't have any shuttlecraft. They don't have like a little. Well, they didn't yeah, have a shuttlecraft by that at that point in the series life. They okay. yeah, they hadn't thought of it yet. So uh, yeah, retro retroactively, it's like yeah, yeah. Done that. I'm willing yeah. to excuse the blankets because like I don't know. They tried to send down. It was like what 170 yeah. degrees below zero. Like I think you're yeah. more than blankets and the yeah. power their power yeah. heater thing like yeah broke whatever fine i get that it makes so it makes the plot more interesting <laughs> if you can't fix that issue but right. i just like i can't get over the fact that good kirk was just on drugs the whole time and yeah. just did nothing yeah. mm -hmm. and it's like that's not what a good person is like good people aren't yeah. weak <laughs> good people aren't, aren't lacking willpower you know right. sure right. sure right. yeah that's but, what but, me out. sure i understand that but also like you know I, I it, it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but like in a very real way, like good quote unquote Kirk is not a person, you know, like he's like, that's a point like, like that, 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 that's kind of the point for me, you know, like neither of these people are people, you know, like um, it's so it, it's, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's like two separate, you know, completely, you know, codependent parts of his personality basically separate and like neither of them can function um when you ask yeah. about you know like how you know like what do either of them want you know like and i feel like the point they kind of make is like neither of them want anything actually because they're missing their other the the other half of themselves in order yeah. to crystallize that uh chris you have this question chris you have your hand up you would have well, we, we referenced briefly <laughs> we, we referenced briefly that was going down on the planet and i want you all yeah. to put yourself in the um probably very wonderful shoes of george takei when he got the script yes. in this episode yes. he's like i don't have to be in any physical scenes with will shatner 
yeah. and I have to cuddle up to all of these extras <laughs> under these blankets. <laughs> I was like, girl, I'm going to have a good day at work. Like, I just feel like. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I love the little, the comedy asides that were all Sulu. Like Sulu brought yeah. the comedy into this, like, could you give us a cup of coffee? <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, we're doing lower fly. down a copy with some rope, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> he, he was holding up the comedy end of this uh, this episode for sure. Um, and let's talk about um, um, so why I like this episode so much is that it, this is a very archetypal Star Trek episode. And it's like the introduction of a lot of things that we see in Star Trek over and over and over again and um when we're seeing a scene like we're, we're seeing like good spock uh good kirk having a you know not being able to make a decision you see spock on one side being the logical person you see mccoy on the other side mm-hmm. being the passionate person and you start to see that that dynamic within them like solidify a little bit and why they're always like at odds with each other. So I enjoyed that. Um, Is if you want to talk about the William Shatner style of acting, this is a, (laughs) this is an episode. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't think it's bad per se. I think it's intentional because when you, and also I feel like I've seen that in other shows of the time other dramas like the twilight zone other things i think it's a style like a, like mm-hmm. when you watch a soap opera you wouldn't say oh those soap operas they're bad actors it's just a style of acting so sure. i would yeah. call it like over the top intentionally over the top but when he it but you can see a range that he actually does have a range of acting because when he's playing that nice gentle docile kirk when they're on camera, you, we exactly know who it is without him having to say anything. So I feel like there is acting, <laughs> good acting in there somewhere. So I think it's intentional, but I enjoy, so I enjoy watching that performance. And he's, what is he yelling? I am, Je- I am Captain Kirk. I am Captain Kirk. It's just amazing. And the, the lighting and like Chris that was saying before, the close-ups and the, the quick turns, the, into the camera and because of how the camera also shoots him that's what makes me think it's also very intentional because if he was just acting that way but the camera wasn't cooperating yeah no that was the plan the plan was to do the over (laughs) but but I think also to that point uh, to like Michael's point earlier about how you know people would just come in and write episodes not necessarily knowing the form the form was still pretty new back then yeah Yeah. i think they were you know we didn't have all the different ways that we like a multi-cam versus uh Mm -hmm. you know um a single cam versus uh, like everything was kind of done a a certain way and um so they're working within a particular framework um which i can appreciate um and uh also i just wanted to point out one other thing which is just a real quick hold on let me just take a reading hold on uh sorry oh, i just got my a reading sorry i've got my <laughs> tricorder did i mention i've got my yeah. tricorder with you whoa <laughs> hey, i saw that you were hey, having a tricorder hey. so i just want to pull it out and felt, felt, nice thank you very much thanks <laughs> looks like my motorola phone from the 90s <laughs> it's very similar to that <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, so this <clears throat> this episode is also the first uh, episode where you hear he's dead, Jim, when he's talking about the dog. Oh. This is a very oh, the dog this is the, the very first. first. This is the very first he's dead, Jim. 
Yeah. Wow. And um, there was just a really weird little moment in the end where he's sort of hugging himself in the transporter pad. Like he's just like comforting his evil self. And it's just so Oh, he's like rubbing his back. Where yeah. he's like yeah. holding on to him, is like patting him, rubbing his back. And there's just like a little thing that I caught that I was, that I liked. Which is such a nice, sensitive, like, it's okay, buddy. We'll be back together again. We'll be whole. We got this. We got yeah, this. He did say, I need you inside me, I think, at one point. Or something to that <laughs> effect. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as I recall, and I didn't giggle like a, like the schoolboy that I am. Um, oh, that's so. amazing. <laughs> um, oh, and the dog in the costume. Like, that's oh, oh, I love classic. that unicorn yeah, horn. That's very when cute. you want to talk about, like, why I would like an episode, just put a cute dog in a costume. There you go. Literally just a dog in a Halloween costume and nothing else. It's like, like that episode of the oh, um, uh, the, the prime, uh, prime directive. Prime, prime subjective. subjective. <laughs> uh, Where the prime? I'm having a. Anyway, let's talk. Let's, let's switch. <laughs> let's switch. Um, so I also want to talk a little bit about the um, sexual assault scene because I don't want to skip over it. Um, yeah. There's. Part of it is very jarring to watch from the lens of somebody in the 2020s. Um, so if you're watching it for the first time, I can totally understand like the shock of like, oh my God, what am I watching? And, and But it takes you a minute. And so on re-watching it, I, I thought about this and the way that the actress Janice Rand, whose name is, I'm just blanking on names today. Um, she it was a very I think it was a very realistic and honest depiction coming from her I think she did great yeah. in this episode considering the subject matter and I think it's um I I, I read and somebody called it heart a heart-wrenching because it's it's not even though it's hard to watch it doesn't mean that it isn't still happening it doesn't happen to people. Women still go through that. Like yeah. um, women, my, you know, myself, my friends have been in situations where teachers or people in authority, authority figures take advantage of you. And so you feel like you can't say anything because she even in, in this, the, the right, that's why I think the writing of this episode is so good because the writer recognizes this is coming from the evil Kirk. The writer yeah. has recognized that this is a bad thing. The power this dynamic. is not. A, yeah. <laughs> this is a power dynamic that's taking advantage. This is coming from the most evil version of Kirk, and um, the good Kirk would never do that. He's wouldn't call him a womanizer per se, but you know, um, it would just be. Is this? You see what I'm saying? It's like this is clearly defined as this is an evil action, and but her but her reaction to it is she convinces herself that somehow it is her fault and she doesn't mm -hmm. want to get him in trouble and yeah that's hard to watch but also yeah. it's very realistic yeah and yeah. it's a very common thing that people who are in those positions will feel um and even she's crying in that one scene she's like crying she was just assaulted she's not doing great like her perfect perfectly manicured face and hair is just a mess and you got these three guys standing around her, just like looking down at her and listening to her story. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so intimidating, but also extremely realistic. And she's just being honest, like, I'm afraid. This is a this is a fear that I have now because it's the 196. Now we can we can think about that now in our lens of 2020. I don't know how people thought of it in the 1960s when they were watching it. They might have thought, like, well, hmm. He was hot. It was right. You know what? She's right. You know, they might have thought something completely different. So I, that, I think I mentioned once about like how you can watch the original series and like a could take a women's study class and they could play episodes of the original series and have like whole discussions about it. So I totally get why some people are very uncomfortable with it. But my point of view, I just see it as like this is a this is the most realistic part of this show actually yeah. <laughs> um, right. and i just think the actress did a really great job the only thing that was a little cringy is that little throwaway uh, line that spock gave in the end which was um the uh, evil kirk had some interesting uh, characteristics yeah. didn't he yeah he was he was, he was missing so, on sensitivity training yeah. day i think yeah yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> there right there if you take it at face value it's like that's a completely misogynistic sexist line but then if mm. you think deeper into it you're like okay what is the content what is when was this written what is the context of this written who wrote mm. this and also is there another way that this can be interpreted is <clears throat> is this do, do, do the yeoman and kirk eventually do like have a relationship of some kind no no yeah. she doesn't last in the show for very long um, she isn't in, I don't recall, uh, when she leaves, but she's not in. It's, it's relatively about, like about halfway through season one, she recurs and then she, um, yeah. You know, um, cool. uh, but she does show up in several of the films though, as like, mm -hmm. um, like a, like a, a glorified extra. Yeah. Wow. Fans, fans, fans will definitely bring her back in the, <laughs> in the movies because, also, she's got that classic beehive, crazy braided hair. <laughs> um, so, so something that's else. Why, that's why I brought it up as one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, something else I was thinking of, Carrie, and and I I feel hopefully you know I I don't you know as as I'm thinking about the point that you're making here, I I. I I hope I'm adding to it, not subtracting to it. When I when when I say this, I think I think I think I am. Um, but you know, one of the other things I was thinking about was you're definitely right. It's um you know something that's made in, at a very specific time. You know, and that's that's something that I feel it's important to remember. You know, when you're consuming a piece of media like this, but it also makes you think about just like uh, if they were to do the story now, what would be different? Um, and you know, and 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 first of all, you know, Star Trek shows don't have time to do this kind of story now anyway, yeah. which I think is kind of a shame. This used to be a staple of like sci-fi shows, which is like, let's do a good good and bad, you know, like I, I, so many sci-fi shows did this. Now nobody has time to do it. Um, but one thing I was thinking about too, uh, Carrie, especially was, you know, when, when your literal premise of an episode is about split personality, um, how so many assault victims and domestic abuse victims have such a hard time getting people to believe their story because they're yeah. telling people who know this person personally and it's just like well he's so nice i don't understand you know like yeah. or or that can't be or i didn't see that so therefore it couldn't happen mm. and when you when you have that extra gaslight element of like literally there being two uh copies of someone walking around and them not being mm -hmm. a little bit slow to realize that like how much you could 
Yeah. Like, like I, I, I think that's, I think that's a detail that could really, that, that, that plays differently now as kind of like, <clears> oh, that's <throat> a missed storytelling opportunity. So I think I would hope that if they redid this, that they would leave the sexual assault part in by uh, the evil Kirk, but change just the way people react to it yeah. a little bit. That's yeah. that's what I that's what I would hope, um, um, and not assume that she liked it because she had a crush on the captain. Right. Or or yeah. Spock or Spock saying, "Well, it must be an imposter." That's the only. That's the first thing. The most logical conclusion yeah. that it's an imposter. Yeah. 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 Other than being like, so, maybe she was right. <laughs> yeah. So I I would hope I would hope that if Discovery just tried to do a, a redo of this episode, which you know everybody's complaining about Discovery being too woke or whatever, I mm-hmm. I would hope that they would leave some sort of assault in there, but make it the the reaction to it and the aftermath of it different. Yeah. Well, we are anyway, we are coming. Her character, her character is great. Like the acting from her in this episode is very fantastic. Yeah, she's really great. Yeah, I, I just I, I I wonder. Like this is a does this does it ever get referenced again, or is it just like back to business as usual after this? Back, back to business it's, as usual. It's back to business, and I think, but it, I think it also was the basis for their mirror mirror uh, episodes because this was not the first transporter malfunction episode. So I think they liked the idea of it, but they didn't necessarily they didn't reference the exact oh, thing. I was talking about in in uh, reference to um, the sexual assault. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, just different styles of you know well, storytelling. Just yeah. part of the yeah. problem of having like a serialized show. That's sort yeah. of yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. It resets at the end of every. Which is yeah. which is one yeah. thing that I was thinking about. I was watching this. I was like, this is not going to come up yeah. next episode. It's just no. going to be like wiped bottle. under the rug no. again. Like no, it's just, just a bottled episode, and they don't even keep yeah. the Janice Rand around for very long. And we'll talk. Well, about it becomes a theme. It becomes a theme to these kinds of forgotten trauma, like, hey, Troy, you had a baby in three days that's now gone, yes. and yeah. you never yeah. speak yeah. about that baby oh, that's again. that's true. Yeah. Or, yeah. you yep. know, like, and oftentimes it's women who are forgetting yeah. the horrible trauma that's happened to them. It's Whereas true. if that's you're very true Borg and you're Captain Picard, it becomes an epi- episodes-long, movie-long referenced trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, they so. do it on purpose because I've heard directors and writers and cast members talk about it. They do not want things to come back to another episode, but that's because we binge shows now. We watch them right. all together. But that is mm-hmm. people wanted to be able to just buy some episodes of a show and not yeah. be able to be like, to dip what in whatever. is going on? They wanted, yeah. you know. So that was the, that's just the way they sold TV back in the day. So that's. Yeah. Yeah, like that, 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 that's one of those things like when they did that board two-parter and then um, the writing staff is just, we need to decompress from this. We need to have the characters decompress from this. How much, you know, the higher ups did not want that to happen. They just wanted, you know, back to business as usual. And mm-hmm. that was really kind of innovative at the time, or, or at the very least, it was very much just like, this is not done. Like, what are you guys doing? Um, and now it's just so commonplace, you know, it would, it would feel just ridiculous if they, you didn't have an episode like that. Yeah. And, then, and their decompression from the the Borg episode is that kind of universally reviled episode of uh, where like where um, where no. his family isn't it? 
That's reviled. A, that's one of my it's favorite. A great episode. Episode. I like the I like the that's episode, what, but a lot of people don't. I'm just saying. Oh, I, I do like oh. the episode, but I have heard a lot they of people can, do not enjoy. Yeah, I thought he goes back to the vineyard and hangs yeah, up. He does. Yeah, he does. He does. Like. But yeah, Worf also deals with his family too. Yeah. Worf. Yeah. yeah. Every I mean, the, the only episode. problem. Yeah, excellent. The only problem with that episode is like there's a Wesley subplot, which basically just like, uh, this is a little bit too much. I could have used more breathing room for the other subplots, but like Picard's right. relationship with his brother and his nephew, great. Worf's Perfect. parents, oh my god, love it. Perfect. Perfect. Let's Amazing. take a pause. Let's take a pause on this because we already talked about two episodes today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we actually need to we we've kind of we need time to yeah, we, yeah. we, need we to, can't need to, go into the next generation up. right now. What are we gonna True. Chris? What are we gonna talk about next time we get together? Well, let's see. I've got let me pull that up on my I've got a list right here of what people have suggested. I think Jay was the second suggestion to come in let me feel like yes what that is uh i suggested uh the deep space nine episode empok nor wonderful um, the 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 star trek a rather scary star trek horror episode that is yeah. kind of gruesome and yeah. great very oddball yeah. and i love it very much if you want so to when we return dark sides you know? oh yeah oh yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So when we return, we will be uh, reviewing um, um, Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 2, and Pac Noor. Does anyone have any uh, recommendations, Carrie? I heard, heard maybe at the beginning you might have a recommendation Oh, yeah, I did a teaser. Thought. I mean, just check out all these. Obviously, just start watching these Korean shows on Netflix, I discovered. And they're amazing and great. But Alchemy of Souls is one that I am watching now. There's... Two, they just put out the last two episodes. Um, I, can't, I haven't watched them yet, guys. I, how's it going to end? I don't know. But there's always there's always a romance. There's always something a little bit magical happening, a little bit supernatural. There's just always something a little bit different about the shows. And um, the other one is the Attorney Wu. Um, very good show about a lawyer uh, in Korea who is autistic and um and the other show i was watching oh, which wow. is not as great as the other ones but still compelling um <laughs> uh called it's called a korean odyssey it's a korean odyssey but you know what you know me i like my fantasy i like my supernatural stuff i like my sci-fi so they all they got that, that makes sense. yeah those are my recs those are my recs Anybody else have any other recommendations or final thoughts? Oh, I do. Um, the okay. Rehearsal by Nathan Fielder is an <laughs> yes. incredible, oh. incredible show. Yes. Mixing <laughs> reality and fiction and oh what God. it means to be prepared for something. It's what such it an inception. Yeah. It makes you question everything. <laughs> but in, like, and, and just, what is yeah, going on? Incredible, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He's an artist. After I watched that show, I'm like, this guy is not a comedian. He is an artist. This, yeah. this is art right here. This is a thing. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, Michael Henley, I know that you recently rewatched um, The Birdcage. Would you recommend that? Uh, or- oh, my God. That, that movie is amazing. <laughs> yes. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> this movie rules. Um, yeah. And I hadn't seen it in a while. I was just like, is this as funny as I remember? Answer, yes. Oh, it's very good. <laughs> That kitchen scene, that kid, that kid, the kid, the scene with them and the trying to, they're like, oh, doesn't doesn't your bowl have girls? Mine has girls. I mean, it's just so, it's a, it's a wonderful, very 
very wonderful. Even though the moral of that movie is like, our children are terrible. And they are, they're asking us to hide who we are. <laughs> exact same thing. I was just like, the villain of the movie is the it's, son, right? Because absolutely. he's an asshole. He's an asshole. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. There's a great stage musical based on that story called uh, uh, La Cage Folle, also worth a watch. A good time. Mm -hmm. My recommendation, uh, wait, Michael, did you have a recommendation that I said one I just forced on you because I saw a no, Facebook that's, post? No, that, 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 that would be the one, I think. That would be the okay, one. Good. good. <laughs> Mine would be, um, this is a real, some real light fare, Junior Bake Off, which is the Great British Bake Off, but for kids in England. Oh. And oh my goodness, it's like 10 to 15 year old British kids. And it is just everything you want it to be from like full on... Uh, uh, like to total messes in the best way possible um, to like really incredible, it's just a, it's a really heartwarming, wonderful. And like everybody cries when they get eliminated because I was like, that's what everyone probably wants to do but the kids have carte blanche to do it because they are children and I, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, I, I love your recommend. recommendations. I love all these recommendations today. I recommend all your recommendations. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Well, I think um, I think we I think we've got a great episode there, my friends. Um, I don't have a song to go out on. New York, New um, York. We'll do New York. Oh, that's perfect. But which one are we doing? The uh, the uh, on the town one? Or are we going to do the Candor Nep one? Let's do the on the town one, okay. which is yeah. New York, New York. It's the hell of the town. The Bronx is out.